Hi, this is Stacy Hunick, and I am here with my friends Katie Wood and Anna McKeever for the Springs in the Desert podcast. And this week we are talking about Natural Family Planning Awareness Week. Um, we want to begin by sharing when we were first introduced to natural family planning. So I'll go ahead and begin. I started learning about natural family planning when I was young. My mom was a nurse and she was very comfortable opening up and sharing about those things, sometimes at the dinner table to make us squirm in our seats. But I remember her having a thermometer um, by her bed because she did the synthothermal method. And I also have two older sisters. So it was uh, types of conversations that we would talk about regularly. And, uh, when I was, um, 18 is when I began, um, charting myself, um, on and off. I, I had a cyst rupture in college that sent me to the emergency room and then the OBGYN and they recommended that I start charting. And, uh, that's sort of where my journey with Creighton started. Uh, I got into it more as I was engaged and preparing to be married and I've had an on and off relationship with it ever since. (laughs) But how about you, Katie? What's your relationship with NFP? Um, well, my parents were the parish teachers of the symptothermal method for over 20 years. So I remember growing up kind of eavesdropping on conversations where my dad or my mom was trying to help somebody interpret their chart over the phone and lots of talk about mucus. And I don't know what that was. Um, and then, so when I got engaged, we defaulted to symptothermal method because that's what I was familiar with. So that's what we, I think we took the class, you know, they say to take it. Well, I think we were only engaged six months. (laughs) So we started like right after we got engaged and, um, charting with that. And then we switched to Creighton when we realized that we were having some difficulties getting pregnant. Um, and that's when I was diagnosed with PCOS, um, through charting with Creighton. So, and that's still, like you were saying, Stacy, kind of on and off. There's times where I just don't, you want to detach yourself from charting every single symptom and sign so that you're not as obsessed about what could happen. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when I am charting, that's what I chart. And there are a lot of different types of natural family planning awareness methods. You can find um, a lot of the different methods at managing your fertility online. Um, they, they list a lot of the methods, but um, a lot of us have more experience with Creighton, but there's other really valid methods of natural family planning. And it, it also depends just on like your body and what, what you're hoping to do with the tool. Anna, do you want to share when you were first introduced to natural family planning? Sure. Let me jump in here. I'm I'm really trying to remember when I first was introduced to the concept. I feel like growing up, I always knew that there was a method for family planning that the church um, endorsed and was part of its teachings, but I never really right, knew, knew much about it until I started working at um, a local crisis pregnancy center, where as part of my training, I got to learn about the different methods um, of natural family planning that were out there. Um, Before uh, my husband and I got married, 
we learned the symptothermal method as part of our marriage prep as well. And when, when we were ready to switch over and start trying to have children, um, and after we were unable to do so, I was also introduced to the Creighton method when I started seeing a NAPRO technology doctor. And after, after a few years of, you know, charting the method and, and being treated with the method, I actually decided to become an instructor. The, I think the key reason why I, I really wanted to become an instructor was because even though, yes, I myself have also had <laughs> a love-hate relationship with charting sometimes, in the end, I think it's been a very empowering thing to learn how my body works and also to be, you know, part of my medical treatment plan. I, I have a really great doctor and I feel like through my chart, he listens to me, he trusts me, and he takes my opinion and, and my experience into account when he treats me. And so while while the whole charting process can be difficult, I would say that it, it's been very empowering for me. And that's been a big motivating factor why I decided to become an instructor too. And it's so awesome, I think, that you're becoming an instructor just because of your journey and your experience with caring for women and couples going through infertility. I think that will be a tremendous gift to the practice that you're working with and to those women um, to have the eyes and the perspective that you do. Um, and I think we've all sort of experienced some of the challenges that we have with uh, natural family planning um, with the, the type of language that's used, which can sort of imply that there, you have some type of, the, the word planning can sort of imply that you have some type of control over what happens with your fertility. Um, and, and it, it can be really difficult <laughs> when you, when you come with that mindset, because we've been taught natural family planning going into our marriage or within our marriage to sort of believe that we can plan. <laughs> I don't know if any of you want to jump in on that topic. I think um, my hypothesis, why we use that phrase, natural family planning, is because, you know, like with uh, birth control and abortion, that's, those are called family planning services. And I think the church wanted to kind of give it a spin because natural things are good um but still with that word planning you can believe it works you know i know there's a lot of people who are contracepting and convinced by the truth by the teachings of the church to go off whatever they're using but there's fear that it won't work and so i feel like with the word planning um, we can like boast of its ability to avoid pregnancy if that's what you're trying to do. Um, but I also feel like, like you were saying, Stacy, planning makes you think that you can control the outcome. And I think most of our audience knows like your plan for the past year or years was to have children. And you were using NFP, what you learned through NFP, to try to have children, and it hasn't been happening. And so that's very frustrating because um, you really don't have control, but it's it's pitched to you as something that 
you can you can plan your family. Katie, you're you're absolutely right like that. And the language we use is right. It's so powerful. And it, it reminds me of something that I forgot to bring up earlier when we were chatting before we started recording. Um, Creighton actually refers to itself as a fertility care system. And so they try to position it not, not necessarily as like a way of family planning, but as a way to take care of your fertility. I don't know how much traction that term has outside of like, right, our, our very specific niche. But I like this, this idea of broadening um, the term of, of like a natural family planning method, if you would, to fertility care, right? care fertility for a woman from from when she starts her period all the way through menopause. But the other word, right, that that we discussed too, that seems to be more comprehensive and more a more realistic depiction of, of what these methods are, are fertility awareness, right? Yes, I can definitely agree with that concept, the fertility awareness methods, because the approach then is not necessarily about like our control and our plan, but it's about using this tool that we've been given to, to allow God's plan to come to fruition in our bodies. Um, Cause that's really what we should be doing when we approach using these tools to help us understand our fertility. One of the other um, challenges that I've found with some of the language surrounding um this model is the language of achieve versus avoid. And this hasn't been something that's always impacted me um, until I, you know, was somewhere along this journey of infertility. And I remember at a doctor's appointment, the nurse coming in and she, she asked me that question, are you trying to achieve and trying to avoid? And I was really caught off guard because they don't always ask me that at my doctor's appointments. Like it would be a normal thing to hear when I'm meeting with my Creighton practitioner, but not at a doctor's appointment. And so, um, I got really upset and and I was basically like, you should never ask me that question. (laughs) That's what I told her. And, uh, I, I kind of felt bad afterwards, but but um, that 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 language makes it sort of seem as though if you're not, you know, a child is an achievement, right? But that's not what a child is. I don't know if any of you have some thoughts to share about the topic. Yeah, I I feel like um, with the 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 teaching to be open to life within our church is a beautiful teaching, and I think it's you know whether you are getting pregnant or you're not getting pregnant, being open to life is like, it's a sacrifice. And it's also like, it brings fruitfulness to the marriage somehow. Um, But like you were saying, you take that word achieve and it's easy to see with the open to life mentality. When you see those large families, it's like, Oh, look at that achievement. You know, they have, you know, half a pew or a whole pew, whatever. Um, they're so open to life. They're so Catholic. And I know, um, I don't know, like I, I remember growing up, I think part of it was like my parents being NFP teachers and, and also I'm one of five. So thinking that, you know, if you use NFP and if you are open to life, you're going to have a big family. And that like comes with sacrifices. And that is a cross of some sort, but that's, that's what happens. 
And so infertility was like not even part of my, um, I didn't even realize it was like a possibility. And I remember as a, like a middle schooler kind of looking around and seeing couples that either had no children or had one child and looking at my family and looking at their family and just thinking like, what are they doing? You know? And, and now I'm on like the receiving end of that, like fearing the judgment of others because of the size of our family. Um, but like you said, Stacy, children aren't, they're not an achievement. And they are something that we can like wait with open hands, open hearts and ask God in our prayers for a child. Um, but a child is a gift and we're, we don't have a right to a child. Um, no one has a right to a child. No one. Thank you for sharing that perspective because, you know, to be honest, I, I hadn't necessarily been struck by these terms of, of achievement, of natural family planning, um, before having like, or before, you know, having these types of conversations with members of the Springs and the Desert team. And as an instructor, right, it's it's so important that that we're aware of that, that we handle that with so much sensitivity, um, knowing that we might be bringing sorrow or, right, undue pressure on, on the women and the couples that we're trying to serve. So could, like, what, how, how would you prefer to be asked, like, let's say that you're, you're learning a certain method to, you know, hopefully try to become pregnant or learn what, what's going on with your body. Um, how would you like to hear um, the language being used? I think for me, what I would prefer is to be asked the question instead of, are you trying to avoid or trying to achieve is what are you, what are your goals? What are you um, hoping to, to do with this tool that we're offering you? Um, How can we like help you achieve this goal or, or, or how is, how is God, how, how have you discerned God calling you to, um, through the gift of your fertility, um, and sort of just avoiding it being like one side or the other. Um, because sometimes it's, they, in Creighton, at least they wanted to make it very like black and white. You're either avoiding or you're achieving, like your behavior is one or the other. Um, but talking with my my sisters who are on the other side of this they don't struggle with infertility um that's it's more to it than just that even for them who are um you know oftentimes using the tool to to space out their children um so so it's it doesn't feel like it should be quite as simple as avoiding or achieving but maybe if we look at it from a perspective of like what is what is my hope for this tool? How am I hoping to use it right now? What's my goal? And, and how is God um, inviting me to live out my fertility right now in this moment? I think the, the language could be better formed around that concept. I, I like that, Stacey. I, I feel like kind of like cementing the fact that chart you can be charting the way that you've been taught to chart and you can be engaging in the behavior that means you're trying to get pregnant and that doesn't guarantee that pregnancy will happen. I think we need to like cement it in our minds that like charting just provides information. That's all it's doing. It's providing us information, what our bodies are doing. 
Um, it's giving us clues as to what our body is doing. And an instructor could ask like, how, what's your intent with this information? Um, rather than achieve or avoid, like, like you were saying, like, how do you plan to use this information? Um, why, why do you feel like it's important to be aware of your, your fertility when your fertile days, when your fertile window is occurring? Why is that important for you to be aware of that? No, that, that's very helpful. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Something else I think it could be really good for us to discuss is this sort of fear that can creep in when we are using the these methods of fertility awareness to um, to help us to become pregnant. Um, at least in my experience, I remember battling this idea, this false idea that was a lie from Satan that if I took a break from, from some of the medicated cycles and all of these things that I wasn't trying hard enough and that I was giving up and that God wouldn't give me a baby because I just need to do one more cycle and one more cycle and one more cycle. Um, and that I was weak somehow for needing to take a break from all of these things. Um, and uh, during this time I heard this really, um, really good friend shared uh, she struggled with secondary infertility, but she said that one of her professors in her theology program shared this thought that couples that don't do absolutely everything in their power to conceive are witnesses to the fact that children are a gift, not something to be earned. And that really struck me about how like it is like God doesn't always call us all to do every single thing possible within our uh, scientific medical power to get pregnant. And that doesn't mean we're not faithful and that we don't have hope. Um, if, if we say, you know what, this month, God, like, I'm giving it all over to you. Like, ultimately, whether I take this medication or don't take this medication, whether I chart or I don't chart, you are the one who decides whether or not like my husband and I can see this month. And, and so there's so, I think uh, there, there's a lot of temptation to use this, this method or this tool of fertility awareness um, to, um, to sort of manipulate it, to use it the way that we intend instead of like letting God work through it. And I don't know if that's something that you ladies have also um, struggled with in your lived experience as well. Um, yeah, I think, I, I um, think so, Stacy. Oh, sorry, yeah, Katie. Ahead, Do you want to yeah, you go? I'll go. Well, what, what, um, when you were talking, it reminded me of, um, of a time when, when I was struggling with my own charting, I think I was two months or two years into my own infertility journey. And, um, I, I was just starting to come to terms with the fact that no matter how, how hard I tried, this, this seemed to be out of my hands or this, you know, decision seemed to be out of my hands. And, um, I got referred to a wonderful priest. And when I went to visit him, I started asking him, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure where to do or what to do right now. This is what like the treatment options I'm considering, like, how do I know which one to go with? And he just very gently stopped me and said, well, before we talk about that, how's your prayer life? 
And that really stopped me in my tracks. And I said, you know what? It's not great. And I think it, it gave me like just being able to have that conversation with him made me realize how much my infertility journey had been taking over my life and how I just needed to take a step back and and get back to basics with my own relationship with God and build it. Um, and, And so again, hearing, hearing what you were describing, Stacey, just made me remember, uh, that, that story and how, how it was really helpful in a, a pivotal part in my own, my own journey. Katie, what were you going to say? Well, you actually sparked something. There's this beautiful prayer, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that it's like for the proper ordering of one's desires. And it's almost like, I don't know if you've prayed with the litany of humility, like that kind of, it like breaks you and it kind of hurts, but it's really good. Um, same thing with this prayer. And I just feel like with with the charting and the medication and the supplements, it's very, it's very easy to become attached to a particular outcome and to expect a particular outcome because you're doing everything right. Um, and I remember like even taking breaks from charting because I had heard other people, well, you just like, as soon as I quit charting, like we were pregnant you know, so like I quit charting to give myself a break because I was too obsessed with the charting. But then I also was like, well, maybe this will be, this will be the magic. And you just have like, there's this need to just detach, let it go. Just like our hands are open, asking God to bless us with this new life. Our hands also need to be open, like to receive whatever he intends to give us, whatever he intends to give our marriage. Um, and I don't know, just this like radical openness and surrender and detachment. And I do feel like when you are doing every single possible thing that the church will allow you to do, it's very hard to have that, um, that attitude of surrender and openness just because you are doing everything right. And so, you know, you should have you become, you, it's just, there's, there's an attachment to the end result and the end result might not be what you're expecting. I don't know if that makes sense, but we should, we should definitely link that prayer in the show notes. Cause it's, it's very, it's very powerful. It's basically like, it's like, I, I want to want what you want me to want and help me to do that. In my experience, because I've been on both sides of like the desire to control and the like letting go, the letting go has so much more freedom <laughs> and so much more joy and so much more hope. And, uh, it's like, it's like I can like breathe again. Right. It's like, I can be myself and just like allow God to just lead my day. And and before I felt like it was, uh, like I was in, con- like I was in control. I, I have the power and, and really not allowing God into those moments. There's, there's this program that I went through, I think three years ago, four years ago called organic conceptions. And there was this one module where he was talking about that surrender. And the one phrase he said, like when you're, you stop trying, like you stop charting, you stop going to the doctor. Like one, he was like expressing how that's okay. And even maybe good and healthy for your marriage. But he said, you're not, um, 
instead of living to try, you're trying to live. And I think what you said, Stacy, about like the joy and the peace and the happiness that comes from just like, I'm not going to like put my 150% focus on this one aspect of my being. Um, something, and, and I'm going to like control the things I can control. And this is not, this is not one of the things I can control and I'm going to let it go. I think that um, we, I just want to say it for anybody who needs to hear this, but it's okay if you need to take a break next month. <laughs> you don't do, you don't have to do, our church doesn't ask us to take every pill and to um, check every fertile sign. Um, that's not something that God asks of us. Uh, so whoever is listening to this and needs to hear that, like I'm saying those words for you to know that it's okay to like take a break if you need to take a break. <laughs> um, uh, as we wind down to the end of this, um, we wanted to bring in a paragraph from the catechism. I don't know, Katie, did you want to read that paragraph 1654? Sure. It says spouses to whom God has not granted children can nevertheless have a conjugal life full of meaning in both human and Christian terms. Their marriage can radiate a fruitfulness of charity, of hospitality, and of sacrifice. So in my experience, um, God has been able to bring so much fruit out of my my marriage to my husband um, when I allow myself to have that perspective of that. And so I think that that paragraph, Katie, from the Catechism is such a gift. And I think that couples um, ought to, maybe maybe if you can't see it yet, um, maybe pray together to, to ask God to reveal to you the ways that your marriage is being fruitful and the ways that he's calling you to give life to the world in a way that maybe you didn't expect and in a creative and new way that can unite you and your husband and in your marriage and bring life to the world. Do do we want to share like how we found fruitfulness yeah, that great. wasn't biological within our marriages? Cause I think that would be really, cause I know some people listening might just like, they, they might want examples yeah, of like please. possible calls that their family might be, their family might be called to. You want to go first, Katie? Sure. Yeah. So one thing that's been like really healing for us, um, is our, our pastor, my husband is a RCIA graduate and he went through, he became Catholic, uh, while we were dating actually. Um, and our pastor kind of saw this, he's, he's very scholarly and he likes to talk about theology and he's very excited about the faith. And so he called him to serve as the RCIA teacher for our parish. And that's just been like a beautiful, he has, sponsored several of his students as they got confirmed. And so, you know, like we have our godchildren, but then we also have this, like, these are, these are our spiritual children, these people that come to his class, um, and, you know, graduate through the class and become Catholic. And, um, for him, you know, like he's giving of his time to serve the class. And for me, it's like, I'm missing him. It's like a sacrifice for us because we have to drive in separate cars on Sunday. And I'm like giving of our time together as a couple, so he can go and be with uh, his students. Um, but I see that as like a source of fruitfulness. And it's just, I don't know, like it, you can feel kind of like you're 
you're not doing anything because you aren't pregnant yet, but to see these people come into the church and just be on fire for the faith because of going to the class that my husband teaches is very awesome. That's such a beautiful gift um, to the church and to your parish. That's amazing. Um, My husband and I have been um, really involved in youth and young adult ministry at our parish. And it's become really like a huge, a huge part of our, of our marriage and our relationship. We are spending many, many evenings at church um, with the high schoolers or having young adults over to our house. Um, sometimes like we'll be up until the late hours of the night with, with <laughs> hanging out with people that, you know, need Jesus in their life that maybe feel isolated um, or, or haven't been in evangelized. And so it's been a huge gift to be able to sort of walk with these, these young people, um, to a deeper relationship with Jesus and to be able to witness that to them. Um, and I, I remember I wrote an article about, um, my motherhood and recognizing my motherhood and I had shared it on social media and one of them reached out to me and, and he was like, you know, like I read this and I, and this guy is like, like two or three years younger than me. He's like an adult, but he was like, you're so right. He's like, I felt it like coming into your home. Like I felt that experience of, of motherhood. And he's like, I'm just really thankful for that. And so it's been a huge gift to be able to, to serve the church that way. And then for me and for my husband, even though we might not do it together, we each have maybe similar uh, ways in which we're fruitful. So um, he teaches, he's, he's an attorney and he helps teach a couple of classes at the local university here. And I know that he just loves that and enjoys it. Pre-COVID, he got to coach um, mock trial too for, for a local high school, which, which he loved. And on my side, um, you know, after after I had my meeting with with the priest who really encouraged me to to you know find my groove with my prayer life, I started getting more and more involved with um, with my local diocese and going through young adult programs designed to help you discern discern your charisms and your gifts, and and through that 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 really gave me like the impetus and the courage to to start a local like uh, infertility support group that's been so wonderful to to help to be a part of and, and to lead. Um, and the last thing I'd say too, is what I've seen with a lot of couples who go through infertility is they really do have a gift for hospitality. And uh, my husband and I, we, we live like right next to, to Notre Dame. And so we, we just love having people over and stay with us for football games. So that's been a true gift to be able to be fruitful in that way. And Anna, if I could say that it's, it, it was such a gift to be able to participate in your support group when like on the journey that I've been going through, um, I'm tremendously thankful and I've strongly felt the gift of your motherhood in my life. And so I just want to give an expression of gratitude to that and honor you for that. Um, it's, I don't know where I would be without your motherly care. So thank you. Thank you, Stacy. So I don't know, do you ladies have anything else you want to add before we wrap up? You know, I, I wanted to say one more thing uh, before I forget, Stacy and, and Katie, when we were talking about taking breaks and charting and um, 
and in in treatments too, right? I think it's really important uh, for for us to realize and normalize that that discernment process. We don't have to go all in, and we don't have to be feel guilty if we're not going all in. But we have like I just encourage each and every one of you listening to really pray about it, discern, and and get to a place that that brings you peace and. You know, I've been all in. I've kind of like thrown away all my medications and my charts at one point, and then I'm I'm just really content and peaceful right now. With you know, I chart. I go to the doctor every three months. We're not doing anything crazy, but I'm just kind of doing what I can, and you know, keeping calm and charting on, if you will. I would say I'm kind of in that same place too. Like uh, we took a break and we were sent sort of back into this area because of like, like physical pain. Not, it wasn't like, I'm like, okay, we're going to try to conceive again. It was like, okay, my body is sick. And so we need to like do something to treat it. And so, so sort of like that same mentality is just like, take it one day at a time and like, just be open and discerning and, and, uh, just allow God to work through it. Don't don't seek to control. I think that's great. I think that's great. And I think we definitely need to share that prayer, the Thomas Aquinas prayer. Yes, we will. We'll yes, please that. do. Yeah, we'll we'll add that in the show notes so that so that you can have that. And um, I think that that wraps up our episode. So, um, thanks for listening and let's, let's close with a prayer. Um, just that I think, I think especially for the intention of anybody who's listening, um, that the Lord can maybe, um, open up their eyes to the ways that their marriage is fruitful and giving life to the world. And that I want to encourage couples to lean into the unique ways that you might be called to live fruitfulness and not expect it to look like whatever box you've tried to put it in, um, but just be open to where the Lord is leading you. So let's close with the glory be in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Also, if you um, want to find out more about our ministry, you can check us out at springsinthedesert.org. And we have some really exciting things coming up with launching some small groups with Anna McKeever's efforts that she's been putting in to grow our ministry. So that's super awesome. And if you are curious about that, find Find our contact information on our website so um, we can give you more details about small groups.